Welcome to the Massive Attack. Welcome to my world, a special episode, episode 21. I'm your host, Mitch, and with me, as always, is Joe. Hello, Mitch. How are you? I'm good. You're sounding a little bit better than the last time we recorded. A little bit, but I still have the plague. You do? Yeah. Oh, well. I've got the consumption. <coughs> yes, anyway. That's all right. I'll just cough blood into my hanky, which is the way they do it in movies. You know, you can be show someone's got tuberculosis, they'll have them cough into a hanky and there's blood in it. Yes. Instead of saying it or anything, they just need to show you. Mm. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Welcome to my world. These are the mini episodes for the Massive Attack podcast where we just sort of pick a topic. Tuberculosis. No, I don't know enough about it except what it's like to have it. But um, no, today, this is one you suggested... Based on a comic I lent you. Yes. Yes, so we are going to talk about the, well, it's a a graphic novel. It's by Audrey Citizen, as in S-I-T-T-E-R-S-O-N, not Citizen, as in... Watches. Yeah. And Chris Marino. Now, I'm assuming the writer is the Citizen and the artist is Chris Marino? I think so, yes. Yeah, and it's a graphic novel, and it is called The Comic Book Story of Professional Wrestling, a hardcore, high-flying, no-holds-barred history of the one true sport. Yes. Mm. So this is our oral book report. Yes. So we've covered a few wrestling graphic novels in the past. There's been a couple of the Box Brown ones that we've talked about, and we also talked about a little bit of the Andre the Giant one that came out a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. So I figured we might as well do a little mini about this one. So this book came out almost a year ago now. It was about October last year that it got released. Okay. And it is written by Aubrey Citizen, who turns out is a bit of a comic writer. He's worked with IDW for a little while doing the G.I. Joe line. Quite famously, he did the G.I. Joe versus uh, Street Fighter range. Mm-hmm. And he also wrote his own uh, comic called No One Left to Fight, which I have not read any of those but I just read that on his Wikipedia. He also is a bit of a wrestling fan, and he writes for the WWE website, WWE.com. And he also has a monthly podcast, I think it is, called Straight Shoot, where he talks wrestling. So he is a bit of a a wrestling person. He looks exactly like how you would expect someone that writes comics and watches wrestling. He has long hair and a beard Mm. and looks like a wrestling fan. I don't have long hair anymore. I don't have any hair. No, but at one stage you had long hair and a beard and looked like every other wrestling fan. Yes. Yes. And the artist is Chris Marino, who has worked on a few things, including his own comic called Zombie Dickheads. I like the name of it. I haven't read it either, but um, yeah, it sounds like a pretty cool title. And he's also a storyboard artist that has worked with Disney and Pixar as well. So, yeah. But basically this is a visual history of pro wrestling. Yep. So it starts back in the day of how wrestling became wrestling. So they talk right from the very get-go of people settling disputes in ye olde ancient Greece by wrestling with each other, all the way through to the carny sort of days to what wrestling is now. The artwork is quite nice. I, I like... I dig. It's very cartoony. I wouldn't say it was... It, it, it's exaggerated. You yeah. know, it's not photorealistic or anything like that. But no, I... And, and it's very more realistic than, say, Box Brown's Andre the Giant book is. Yeah. Whereas that is very much cartoon art. Whereas mm. this is, yeah, exaggerated realism. Yep. And, it, yeah, it, it's based in chapters. It covers the story of the early days of when wrestling first became the big thing that it was during the Great Depression. It covers the Gold Dust Trio, who were a group of New York promoters in sort of Depression age. 
the territory sort of times of the 50s and 60s and 70s to when Vince McMahon Jr. came in and blew the world away with WWE or WWF in those days and just turned the territory into a national and then into an international product. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it tells all that. And it also talks a bit about Japanese wrestling and the history in Japan and also the history of Mexican wrestling as well. Yeah, and there's a chapter on English wrestling as well and the influence of English wrestling to the American product as well. Yeah, so we've, we've talked in the past on the Massive Attack podcast about hip-hop family tree. Yep. How it's a the history of the hip-hop, the evolution of hip-hop, where it came from. And it was written as, I think it was a webcomic originally. And it was one to two pages, some were four, some were eight, but mainly very short, just vignettes of here's a moment in time of, of the evolution of hip-hop. Yep. And they collected it into books, and then I think he was writing it for the book later on. But... Because he didn't write really a narrative, it's not a through narrative with that evolution where it's sort of like, oh, here's 1978 to 79, he sort of jumped back and forth, here's this one thing here, but there's a reference back to this other thing that we did and all that. He sort of played with that a little bit. This is very similar in the fact that he's like, oh, we're going to talk about ancient Greece, so there's a page on that. And then it'll go to, you know, in the fields of Germany in the yep. 1800s like, or whatever. And then there's a little one or two pages there. And it's all building towards. So it's been, but it, so this has been written as a narrative. There is a through line. It's sort of very, a very deliberate writing style because he does use what he's built on. Yeah, the one exactly. thing that does really annoy me, because he calls it the one true sport. It's funny because I was going to bring that up. I was mm. going to say if there is one criticism that I have for it. It's yeah, that he's fact. obviously a fan, which is fine, yep. and he calls it the one true sport. But that's what he calls it throughout the book. Now I don't know if he thinks wrestling was a weird thing to say throughout the book or something. I don't know why he made that decision, but he did. So I was like, okay, fine. So that's the only criticism I'd say. So you know a lot about wrestling. You grew up from. You've been a fan constantly from eighty four. Oh, early eighties. Yeah. So yep. before WrestleMania one, anyway. And you've been buying pro wheel. Pro Wrestling Illustrated and magazines or things like that for a long time. I had. I haven't you, for a you long did. time now. Not now, but, yeah. but you did before yep. the internet. Yep. With the internet, you don't need all that because you know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. So so you're pretty au fait with that period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So you would have known of the history of wrestling as well. Yes and no. I, I probably got more out of the first few chapters in this, which was the stuff I didn't really know. Like I knew the names when they talked about the Gold Dust Trio. Yeah. Like I'd heard of... George Hackensmith before, and I'd heard of Toots Mond before, but I didn't really know where they fit in. Mm. I so, mean, that, and yeah. that's the same. Like, I, I, I was into wrestling to the Hulkamania eras. I got out. I got back in in about 1996, I think it was. Internet was sort of around then. It was the early days, so I could find stuff out yep. if I had to. So, you know, I was au fait with the current product and sort of like if you needed to look up something. That was the thing. Yeah, so like you said, the early bit of this sort of showing the progression, the growth, especially in the American side of things, where it grew from, all right, it started in the carnies and then it became really popular, like it was selling out like Madison Square Garden, the original Madison Square Garden, not the current one. Yeah. And it went through ebbs and flows of popularity and success. And, you know, it was fake. It was sort of real or shoot back then and then it became fake and then they sort of Bought this element in, and then someone else threw another element in, and it was, yeah, that was fascinating for me because I didn't know that side of it. Yeah, so it sort of put a few things in perspective, and like you said, there were a couple of names, like those names you just mentioned, I totally forgot already: Hacker Schmidt and Toots McGee, whatever Toots it was. Yeah. But there was like Luthez was a yeah, name I know exactly. of. So it's like, oh yeah, I've heard of that name, and there's so there's names that were 
I've heard of and it's like, okay, in context, they are this person now and here. And, you know, Japan, I know of, but, and I know it's got a different sort of, not belief, but around the concept behind their presentation of the show. Yeah, they, I guess they package it more of being a legitimate sporting activity rather than being spectacle. Yes. Whereas it is still predetermined. I'm not going to say the word fake because as a wrestling fan, no. predetermined is, I guess, the preferred term. Mm. But it is harder hitting and more realistic looking. Yeah, but they they just portray it in a different way. They do. Yeah. And and that's what I like about the, the, the way the story kind of progresses in this, that they always sort of talk about, you know, wrestling in the 1910s, which was still predetermined. It's that. It was just executed differently, mm. but it was still predetermined. Yes. But they also had the legit guys that if someone wanted to go off script and go into business for themselves, they would have what they called the hookers and the shooters that were legitimate tough guys that could go in the ring and, and hurt someone mm. if they went off script. Which you still get now. You do, but probably not to the same extent as you did back then. Because I guess in those days, titles meant more. Well... Uh- and it does go into the history of some the titles and also the unification of a bunch of yeah. territories, which we've talked about on other podcasts before. Yeah. So with the territories, there was sort of a gentleman's agreement that's like, all right, we'll have the title, but then we'll go over there and we'll do this. And yeah, people got screwed over and they'll walk with the title. Yeah. It's like, oh, but there. And so you just create another title. And there were just so many titles around. And it was, it was under the feign that it was legit. Too. Yeah. So they were under scrutiny from official sporting boards and things like that. So uh, that sort of history and where it was and how it all played out and how who played with who in the territories. And the beauty of being a comic is it's done graphically so they can show pictures. And there's like a bit where they – it's more talking about later on. Not, not We're not talking the 40s now. They were talking like the 70s or 60s. Yep. And you've got a map of America and he's got drawings of, you know um, – yeah, yeah, who was the world champion at each of these In all the different places. So it was a yep. really nice graphical interface to yep. show that sort of thing. So that was eye-opening as to sort of how that all sort of – to get to the show that – or the wrestling that I used to grow up with, how it got to that point. Now, I've read about the history of wrestling before. I've done a bit of research in other times. But this was – this was a bit more encompassing and it had a lot more in it, yep. like especially with the Mexican and the Japanese, in relation and, and English because the English had that harder style as well that they sort of bought in. Yep. And, yeah, so just seeing it in sort of relation to everything else made it a lot more, not palatable, but, you know, I just could sort of get it yep. a little bit more because there's so much history out there and you read about this or you read about that. Yep. But, yeah, this is sort of everything and it's not everything. No. It's a it's – a, it's a, Short little companion piece. I mean, it's not short. It's a quite a long comic. Yeah, uh, 176 pages. So, you know, it's not short, short. But it is a, quite an easy read, though. Yeah, I mean, there's a comic, so yeah. it's not that bad. But, yeah, I was I was impressed by it. It didn't open my eyes to anything. There was nothing in there going, oh, my God, because being a wrestling fan, I know the big stories. Yeah. You know, if there's anything sort of major that I want to know about, I would have heard about it. Yeah. It was just sort of like that. Putting everything in context, the pre-WrestleMania days. Yeah, and I I think if you're a a modern fan, it might be nice to read something like this and just sort of see where it came from. Mm. And another thing I did really like about it is the fact that they talk about things like the Montreal Screwjob and they kind of pair that with other title reigns where they've changed hands on submissions where the person didn't submit. And it's sort of like, well, it just shows you that nothing's new in wrestling anymore. So any gimmick or any 
you know, stipulation that they can come up with for a finish of a match has probably already been done. Yeah. And this is just a modern take on, on that particular way of doing things. Mm. And I really enjoyed that. Yes. Well, this might not be the end of our talking about comics about wrestling because I have on pre-order, it should come in soon, a graphic novel written by Jim Cornett with art by Dennis Bedry, who did the other Andre the Giant book we talked about. Okay. Yep. And it's him telling stories of wrestling. So ah. I'm looking forward to that because Jim Cornett is a good storyteller yeah, and he's he a has wonderful good story stories to tell. Hmm. So whether that translates to comics, we'll see, but it's going to be good art no matter what. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that arriving in the next couple of weeks. Cool. So, did you pick this up locally? No, Book Depository. Okay. Like everything else. Because it is also available through Amazon Australia. I think it's about 25 bucks online. It's not bad. So, yeah, it, it's probably a good read if you're a fan. It's a good read if you're, a, as I said, a casual fan that wants to know a little bit more. And it is written in a nice way that it is quite an easy package. So, yep. Hmm. A bit of fun. Cool. All righty. Well, that's us for this little mini. We'll be back with our normal episode in a couple of weeks and we will see you then. Thank you, Mitch. No worries. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.